Amen. You guys good? Some of you? Excellent. I was just, I heard something this week um, really cool. A guy said that, you know, any one time, God's probably doing a thousand things for you behind the scenes, and you probably acknowledge three of them. I bet he is. I bet he is. A thousand things behind the scenes. A thousand things, man, we probably see. Should we just thank God for that? Do you know, do you know, do you know, um, the psalmists talk about it, but God, do you know God loves a thankful heart? Do you know that? He just loves it when we're thankful. I think he just likes the fact that we just take a second out to acknowledge him for everything he does that we don't even, we don't even acknowledge. We don't even see. Should we just stand together a minute? Can we do that? Is that all right? Can we just stand? I just, I just, that's just... I love the African church because when you do something like this, they just go ballistic. I know, in it, I know we're a British church and we're kind of, Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful gifts you bestow on us day to day, hour to hour. But let's just, let's just, let's just give God thanks just, just for a minute. That's just speak it out loud. Don't worry about the person saying next to you that. Is that all right? Can we just give God just... I didn't even know... Sorry, my bad. I didn't even know it was Pentecostal Sunday. But... I think that's just thank, that, that we can freely come and worship God together because there's a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world who can't even do that. Is that all right? So let's just thank God for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Just thank him for what he's doing for you right now. Thank him. We just thank you. We were grateful people, Father. We are grateful people. Just before you sit down, just give the person next to you a high five. Tell them God's going to speak to them this morning. Maybe an air bump if you're feeling brave, or a dead arm, whatever. Cool. Grab your seats. Grab your seats. Um, can I just say, Bok, brother, I haven't, we haven't met yet, but I, I actually just saw you there and I thought, I'm, I'm going to forget to say this, but my wife... My wife, this isn't part of the preach, but my wife said, you know, we're not on the meal because these guys have come from New Zealand, right? And we, we haven't, my wife's, yeah, give them a round of applause if you like. And um, so we haven't, my wife said, we haven't put our name down for the meal thing. And my, now my wife's away, she's in Croatia today with my daughter. So I can say this without her here, but I actually did you a solid, right? Now, I don't know if you know English terms, but that means I did you a great favor because if you'd have had one of my wife's meals, you probably would have headed back to uh, <laughs> New Zealand. But let me just say, let me just say, let me just say, let me just say, she's an amazing woman of God, but, but cooking. So I actually double blessed you. All right. It's just if I don't catch you at the end, so you know, it's not that we're not being loving, but... Take it from me, brother. Usually... <laughs> All right. And if she's watching on TV, I'm only joking. <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. But um, yeah, sorry. I forget, always forget to welcome the guys online, so welcome. You know, it's more fun here, but if, you know, I get it. You can eat croissants and drink coffee in bed. It's nice. So um, be welcome. Be welcome. So yeah. 
I'm on with grace. And I just thought, you know, we, and Sarah said quite rightly last week, do you know, I can sum up the whole series. It's all about grace, and it is grace. But I really, I just think sometimes we can say things as Christians, right? It's like it's all about grace. What is grace? And that's grace. It's the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But he, in his omnipotence, decided to give it to us. And I just, I found, I was just Googling, because I, I, there's an illustration I felt the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to share today that Paul did. And I was looking through some sermons from years ago, to 2008, I found this sermon. And I, at the beginning of the sermon, it was all about the difference between law and grace. And as I read through it, and I would like to say it was my points, but I probably stole them off someone else, they're really good. So I thought, before we start talking about grace this morning... Let's understand the difference between law and grace. Is that all right? So I'll read them. Tell me what you think. The law is only a shadow. Grace is the reality of good things. The law demands perfect righteousness of you and will judge you and send you to hell if you're not perfectly righteous all the time. Grace gives you God's free gift of his righteousness for you to stand in. Righteousness, right standing with God. Like I've said before, we're in, there's nothing we can do to be in a better position with God than you are right now. Law says, do, do, do. Grace says, it's done, it's done, it's done, you're safe. Isn't that cool? Law makes you conscious of your sin. I'll put in brackets there and some mother-in-laws, but forget that. Law makes you conscious of your sin. Grace makes you conscious of being righteous in Jesus Christ. Law always condemns you. Grace never condemns you. Conscious of being righteous in Christ Jesus. The law took the disobedience of Adam and condemned us all. Grace took the obedience of Jesus and declared us all to be perfectly righteous in the Father's eyes. Under the law, God says, I will no means forget your sins. Under grace, God says, I will no means ever remember your sins again. Past, present, or future. Isn't that cool? We're there saying to God, we're so sorry we did all this, and God's like, I chose to forget it all. The law is a revelation of how much is wrong with you before God. Grace is a revelation of how perfectly right you are with God. At the cross, Jesus identified with you at your worst so that in him you can be identified with him at his best. Law puts the focus on our unworthiness. Grace takes the focus off our unworthiness and puts the focus on Jesus. On his worthiness, and the glorious fact that we are always permanently in him. There's no height to the glorious presence of God you cannot ascend to on a daily basis because there was no depth of darkness and depravity depravity, that Jesus refused to descend to on your behalf. Under, Under law, sin abounded, but grace is super more excessively abounded. When your sin and grace meet in the boxing ring, grace triumphs easily every time. 
The law makes you self-conscious. Grace makes you Christ-conscious. The law asks, what must I do? Grace asks, what has Jesus done already? Under the law, the burden is on you to perform. Under grace, the burden is on what Jesus has performed on your behalf already. The law is a heavy burden with a difficult yoke. Grace is a light burden with an easy yoke. The law is is a ministry of death. As the word says, grace is a ministry of life. The law demands of you, grace gives to you. The law demands that you earn the blessing. Grace has already earned the blessing for you. In brackets it says, you have to remind your brain of this every day. You will always fail the law, but grace grace will always succeed for you. The law justifies no one and condemns even the best of us. Grace justifies, accepts, and improves even the worst of us. Isn't that cool? We are never meant to feel guilty when we draw near to God. Do you hear that? (laughs) We are never meant to feel guilty when we draw close to God. Make good use of the trials you're going through, and the only way to do that is to live in the presence of God every day. Christianity is not about good advice. It's about the spiritual it's about the spiritual realm and we have to walk in the presence of God every day. And finally it says grace gets you into the presence so that you can overcome sin. Amen. I just want to I'm going to read um, today's today's passage and they're quite they're quite like Sarah's they're quite meaty chunks of scripture I'm in Galatians 4 uh, and I'm going to read to you from 19 but then I'm going to come back and touch on what Sarah talked about last week and she actually stole my thunder a bit because as I was prepping I was really feeling the prodigal son and uh, Sarah preached the prodigal son although I felt to pick up on the older son so I'll pick up from there leaving off from where Sarah was speaking about sonship. So let's, let's get through this in a good way. Okay, so verse 8. But at this time... Okay, so, so before I start, okay, you, you guys know where we're at, right? We're in Galatians. So this is a letter Paul's writing, just in case some of you missed it, to a bunch of house churches, some big, some small, in Galatia. And basically what Paul's saying, and he does, it does appear that he, it gets repetitive, but I think what Paul is so blown away that the churches were birthed out of grace and freedom in the Holy Spirit, and they're making the foolish mistake of coming back again under the law. Which is madness. And that's why Paul says, what bewitched you? And so I think something must have bewitched them. Because why would you go from the freedom of grace and put yourself back under the yoke of the law? They were deceived. They were bewitched. Paul says at the end of the passage I'm going to read to you, I'm perplexed. I don't get it. Why would you want to live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit and you want to put yourself back under doing works to move yourself into a position to please God, which you can't anyway? 
Because the Judaizers have come into the church and they've, they've spoken about how you should get circumcised and do all these things. Jeremy preached on it. It's brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> and he was trying to get them to do all these things. And Paul's saying, no, you don't need to do anything else. Come out of that deception. So that's, that's the position he's writing from. I spent time in Romans this week, and he's saying to the church in Rome, the same thing. I mean, Paul was really big on this. Come out from the law. You are free in Christ. But at that time, when you did not know the true God, I'm reading from the Amplified, it just expands it a bit better. God, were unacqu- and you were unacquainted with God. You, Gentiles, were slaves to those pagan things which by their very nature were not and could not be gods at all. Now, however, since you have come to know the true God through personal experience, or rather to be known by God, to be known by God. When I, I, that blew me away this week when I just pondered on that we, to think for a minute, you are personally known by God. I mean, there's how many people on the earth? Is someone clever? Eight billion, six billion, any advance? And God knows you personally. Doesn't that just blow your mind that God knows you personally? Personally knows you. God actually knows the amount, everyone in this room, God could say, the amount of hairs on every single person's head in the building. Some people it's easier than others. Blows my mind. How is it that you are turning back again to the weak and worthless elemental principles of religion and philosophies to which you want to be enslaved, Paul says. You want to be enslaved. You want to put yourself back into bondage again. When Jesus has set you free, You want to be enslaved all over again? Back to works? Back to trying to do something to please God or put yourself in a better position? Paul's like, what? You're bonkers. It's nice to hear Sarah say that last week, such an English thing. Bonkers. For example, you observe particular days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps... I have labored to the point of exhaustion over you in vain. That's quite heavy, isn't it? I came out, did all this stuff. Maybe it was completely worthless what I did. He's he's exasperated, Paul. His love for them is overwhelming. That's why he's so exasperated. It's like having a child that you keep saying, don't run into the road, don't run into the road, don't run into the road. You know, parents, it's it's, it's tiring. Believe as I beg of you, become as I am, free from the bondage of Jewish ritualism. And Paul was, the, I mean, if you read Paul's background, he was a scholar of scholars. He, he was teaching the religious leaders. This guy knew it all. He knew it inside out and back to front. He knew, he, he knew it. The first five books of the Bible, he knew back to front and upside down. And he said... Free from the bondage of Jewish ritualism and ordinances. For I have become as you, a Gentile. You did, not, you did me no wrong when I first came to you. 
Do not do it now. On the contrary, you know that it was because of the physical illness that, that I um, preached the gospel to you the first time. And even though my physical condition was a trial to you, you did not regard it as such uh, with contempt or scorn and reject me. But you received me as an angel of God, as even Christ himself. He's not saying you thought of him as Jesus. He's saying that's how well you treated him. What then, he says again, what then has become of that sense of blessing and joy you once had? That's a great sign if you're under the law, if you've come under a religious spirit, or you've entangled your theology with law. Sense of blessing and joy. It's really difficult to be joyful in this walk that we have, for however long we have it, if you have put yourself under the law. I often wonder, how are some Christians so miserable? I really do. We should be the most joyful people on the planet. Shouldn't we? We've got everything. And some of us... I'll stop there. I don't want John arriving home to emails. For your salvation and your relationship with Christ, for I testified to you that if possible, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me to replace mine. So I've become your enemy by telling you the truth. These men, the Judaizers, eagerly seek to entrap you with honey, honeyed words and attention to win you over to their philosophy. Not honorably, for, the purposes, for their purposes not honorable or worthy of consideration. They want to isolate you from those, from us who oppose them, so that you will seek them. Now, it is always pleasant to be eagerly sought after, provided that it is for good purpose, and not just when I am with you, seeking you for myself, but be aware of the others doing it. My little children, my little children, for whom I am again in the pains of labor until Christ is completely and permanently formed within you. How I wish that I were there with you and could change my tone, because, and again Paul says, because I am perplexed. Perplexed. So I just want to just want to kind of pick up um, a couple of key things that, that I, as I was preparing for, for, for today, were really just stood out to me. And the common thread that I think you will all see, or could see, or should see, is that grace and the revelation of it is so intertwined with sonship. When I say sonship, ladies, I mean we're... That, that, that's how scriptures say it, but sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, it's all the same. There's no, there's no one greater than the other, okay? And I'm reminded of the prodigal son story like I was saying to you, but I was just thinking of just how religious and a religious spirit and religious leaders and people who'd want to bring you back under the law to their way of thinking and preaching, their way of saying, you need to, you need to walk this Christian life like me. It's so much like the older brother. So you know the story of the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son went away, like Sarah said last week, and blew everything and returned back to the dad after blowing everything. And the dad was so blown away, delighted for him, his son to come home that before the son could even get his words out of repentance and I'm sorry and make me, a, make me one of your hired helpers, 
He couldn't even get his words out because the father was doing what? He was just pouring out his love. He was kissing him profusely, the scriptures say. He couldn't even get his words out. And he said, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. And he immediately instated his son back to the absolute position without any jumping through hoops or anything. The dad immediately reinstated the son with all the privileges of being his son and his estate. Like that. Which is what Jesus did for us, right? On the cross. Through belief in him, we're immediately reinstated as, as uh, we're in perfection, perfect standing, perfectly righteous with God because of our belief in Jesus. Do you, you know that, right? We're in perfect standing. We are children of God. When we say, we sung about it today, we're children of God, it's, it, it's mind-blowingly great. It's mind-bogglingly bonkers great that we're children of God. My daughter, I just thought of this on the way here. I had a call from her. No, sorry, I lied. She was talking to, to, to Kerry and I in the, um, oh, anyway, at the house. And she said, and it actually really blessed me. It was so nice to hear, but it was also not good. But she said to me, I actually had to repent. And we're like, why? What, what happened? She said, well, because if ever I have a problem, I phone Dad. Whatever it is, it's so nice to hear your daughter say that. If there's a problem with money, I phone dad. She does. <laughs> the problem with the car, I phone dad. Seriously. Whatever the problem is, if someone's annoyed her, if a boss has spoken about it, if a workload's too much, she phones me. I said, Are you all right? No. She lets off a bit of steam. She phones dad. She said, and I actually realized that I should actually first go to God, not you. Yeah. In my flesh, I was like, well, you can come to me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But obviously, I'm no match on God. But isn't it that, that guys, that is a perfect illustration of how we should be. You're not created to do this on your own. You don't have to fight this fight on your own. That's why the Bible says it's a good fight. Because it's won it. Scott, just come here quick. Just something pops in my head. Just lie there, quick. <laughs> lie down however you like, mate. It was not rocket science, come. <laughs> because the thing is this. What the, the scriptures say when Jesus came off the cross, he made a spectacle of the enemy. Your enemy made a spectacle of. So he put his foot on him. Right? He made a spectacle of your enemy. Because you're his child. He took your enemies and did this. Right? I lost some weight. Thanks, Scott. But... Here's a, let, me just, let me just read this to you. This, 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 is, this, this is a key thing, and this is really key for today. And it's in Romans 8. And, and Paul was talking about sonship here, and he said this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14 and 15, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Everyone who's led by the Spirit is a child of God. So you have not 
And we sang this, received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you back as his own children. Now we call him, like Sarah said last week, Abba Father. Now we call him Daddy. In fact, when we're doing the discipleship course, just pass us the end of that red cord there, Phil. When we're, when we're doing the discipleship course, we, we speak to people about the whole, the whole thing of, of calling him daddy because that's, that's what Jesus did, Abba Father. That's your father. You can call him daddy. We, we often, do you know, what, you know what religion sounds like? Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord. Now, look, he is those things. But there's no intimacy. It's this distant God who's, quite a lot of the time angry with us. That's what religion says. But as a son of his, I think I'm the favorite. I do. I got told off in South Africa for saying that I'm God's favorite. I did. I still think I am God's favorite. He likes you lot. Don't get me wrong, right? (laughs) No, he does. Trust me. Even regardless of what you did this week, he he loves you. But I'm his favorite. But you know what? I do think that I'm his favorite. Theologically, I know I'm not his favorite. We're all his favorite, right? We're the apple of his eye, aren't we? You're wondering what I'm doing with this daft robe, aren't you? Well, I'll tell you what. This is my daughter's wedding present. No, I'm serious. I have the privilege, and it is a privilege. It brings me to tears. She asked me if I'd marry her. Hay fever. <laughs> Phil, tell the end of this. I don't know why. Anyway, I'm marrying her in two weeks, right? Just keep walking to the end. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going, Phil. It's all right. Off you go, mate. Lovely, jubbly. Keep going. That'll do. There you go. That'll do. Drop it, mate. Drop it. Thank you. Yeah, just drop it. There you go. So this is my... I'll tell you what this is real quick. I'm alarmed at the time already. I actually thought I'm going to put this in a glass box for my daughter for a wedding present. Because I want her, through her marriage, to, to, to get her thinking in line with kingdom. And this is what kingdom does, right? This, is, this, I think, is a great analogy. This is how much time we've got on this planet, right? This bit. It, it, actually, if this string could go around the world five times, it wouldn't be long enough. This is all we've got. You see the little red bit? Can you see it? And I notched off a tiny little bit here, this piece. And we come onto the earth, a lot of people, and they come onto the earth and they spend their whole life working and working and working because we, we want to just retire with comfort. Don't we? Is it just me? <laughs> I'm feeling a bit bad for a minute there, all right. We work and 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 then when we're old we can retire in luxury. And drive Ferraris and things. It looks cool driving a Ferrari at 80. <laughs> right? And I got, I've actually given this to my daughter as a wedding present, because I've spent enough anyway. Right? Because I want her to think this. I want her to think eternity. I want her to think the way we live, this tiny bit of time, tiny bit of time we have here, tiny bit of time, Instead of thinking of this, 
Because I think if we thought more about this, we'd make a lot different decisions than this. This, For this period, this short period of time, people, we want to live, like the Word says, children of God live. And that's a life in the Spirit. This isn't a life grinding and grinding and grinding and so I can retire and do nothing. We're called to live as sons and daughters of God in the Spirit, day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, blah, 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 yeah? In the Spirit. And you know what I've seen, and I'm, I'm sure I'm right on this, how linked it is that having a revelation of grace, that we're in perfect standing with God, helps you really have a revelation, I'm a child of God, so I can walk boldly into the throne room of God. I don't have to do this on my own. It's so linked, grace, understanding who I am in Christ. And then I think it's linked, because I've been looking at these guys like Smith Wigglesworth and these amazing men and women of God, Catherine Coleman and all of them. They had such an understanding of grace and that they were a child of God. Signs and wonders just flowed. Because what grace does, it realizes it's all on Jesus. Works makes it, it's all about me. And when you have a revelation of grace and that I'm a son and daughter of God, that I can access the throne room of heaven and the kingdom resources at mine at disposal, signs and wonders flow naturally. They flow naturally. It's a resource for us to advance the kingdom. I, went to, I was at the gym this morning. I did a bit of spinning before church. And I walked in, and there's a lovely girl there on reception, young girl, 20. I said, how are you doing? She said, oh, so hungover. I was at, 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 at the boxing last night. And I went into the change room, and I saw one of my kids' friends. I said, how are you, mate? He goes, oh, I'm so hungover. I was at sevens last night. And all the young people, I'm like, guys. And I know some of you were probably there last night. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, right, we need... We need to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ because we're created for eternity. They're going to live for eternity. The guys out there are living for eternity regardless of whether they like it or not. I love what Johnny said months ago. God didn't ask your opinion. That's how it is. That's how it is. The decisions we make here decide where we spend this. God forbid it's not in heaven because you know what the alternative is to heaven, don't you? It's called hell. I know we don't like to preach it anymore because it's not a politically correct message talking about hell. But Jesus said it's a real place. You don't want people spending eternity there. That's why we need to be the children of God we're called to be. The whole of creation's waiting for us to stand up as children of God, taking authority over these things, bringing freedom to people, healing people, delivering people, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. This is, this is, our, this is our breakfast, lunch, and dinner stuff, guys. It's not for a few chosen, frozen people who decide that all of us, a disciple, heals the sick, casts out demons, raises the dead, shares the good news. Yeah? We want revival, don't we? Then get off your... We need to all get get action. Action, that's what we need. Don't we? This This is real, guys. 
This is real. This is all you've got. This is it. You're going to spend your time wasting money trying to... What are you going to do? Just, just work, spend, your, spend this bit of time you've got just trying to earn money to retire nicely. Is that it? What Jesus said, he says, stare, what did he say? Store up your treasures. Where? Where wrath, where wrath, where rust and moth can't, can't get to it. Store your treasure up there, not there. Store it there. Store it here. Here. That's what he says. Jesus, forget me. Jesus said it. Yeah? Okay. Okay. <laughs>